When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hello again. Welcome to Talking Real Money, the podcast. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for being there. Today, we're going to go through a ton of questions that I've had sent in through Talking Real Money, the website, and get those answered for you. And we've gotten the phone system fixed so that you can now call us 24-7 at 855-935-8255. So if it's easier to ask a question with your voice, you can leave it on the system at 855-935-TALK, and we'll answer those on a future podcast. If you prefer typing, or in some cases, I guess some of you are dictating now, uh, you can go to Talking Real Money, just hit the contact form and send in your notes. We've got quite a few, so I want to get right to it. We've got three kind of interesting questions, different questions, and let's get started in, uh, let's see, Edmonds, Washington. Question. I have read several articles recently about the New York Fed buying treasury bills and mortgage-backed securities using terms like repo. Can you explain in simple terms what they are doing and possibly why they are doing it and what if anything, it means to investors like myself. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that last part because that takes care of a lot of it right there. What does it mean to investors like you? Well, if you, as you say, are a regular listener. Oh, by the way, he said, thank you for helping keep my financial life sane. I'm going to try and help keep it even more sane. Pay no attention to what the Fed is doing. It doesn't matter long term. It only matters day to day, maybe week to week, month to month. What the Federal Reserve Board does, the New York Fed or any of the Feds, is they manipulate the money supply. The term repo, it stands for repurchase agreements. The Fed participates in what are called repurchase agreements. These are generally overnight loans. They will loan a bond overnight to uh, to add liquidity to the marketplace. Mutual funds do it, and then they get paid back the next day. Most of the time, there are longer repurchase agreements, but most repos are an overnight loan of some money just for quick liquidity. Um, occasionally, the Fed goes out and buys securities of various maturities trying to adjust the yield curves so they may buy longer term mortgage-backed securities they may buy shorter term treasury bills for their own portfolio to inject money into the system um it's a it's a short-term thing that is designed to try to keep the money supply in check so that we don't have these big panics when a lot of weird things happen in the economy and there's not enough cash to meet big withdrawals from banks or some liquidity needs that are immediate and overnight so that people aren't repossessing each other's stuff. So the Fed is controlling interest rates and controlling the money supply. Long term, 
they've been doing it for decades and relatively successfully and for long-term investors who are buying short intermediate bonds that doesn't it doesn't cause much in the way of volatility at that end of the spectrum at that end of the yield curve and if you're buying stocks you're buying them for a totally different purpose you're buying them for economic growth for growth in the economy of the planet thanks for the question and again, you can call your questions into 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Now we go to a mutual fund question. As you know, there was a little war, actually there is a little war, uh, between Vanguard and Fidelity in regards to fees. Fidelity funds, FXAIX, Fidelity 500 Index Fund, and FSKAX, FSKAX, Fidelity Total Market Index Funds, now have expense ratios of 0.015. That is very low. Recently, Fidelity came out with zero expense funds, such as FZROX, Fidelity Zero Total Market Index Fund, and FNILX, Fidelity Zero Large Cap Index Funds. Any thoughts on these new funds? Should I convert my holdings in FSKAX to FZROX, the zero fee fund? Any thoughts as why Fidelity didn't just simply reduce FSKAX, the regular fund, to zero rather than coming out with a new fund? What am I missing? <laughs> as I said, the questions are interesting. Uh, the old Fidelity the old the fidelity total market index fund is different than the fidelity zero total market index fund it's very different the zero fund the fzrox is more of an emulator they emulate the holdings of the total market they don't own the total market it really is a different portfolio the total market index owns the stocks that they consider to be part of that total U.S. index. And it was interesting. I, I just looked them up at Morningstar, and the regular fund, not the zero fund, the regular fund has about 3,500 stocks in it, and the zero fund has about 2,500 stocks in it. This makes it less expensive to operate the zero fund which is why they didn't just reduce the fees on the regular total market index fund if they had reduced the fees on the total market index fund they would have lost more money than they're losing on the other one remember this is a loss leader for fidelity they want to get you into their product they want to get you into their accounts because they know that a lot of people decide to well you know this index is kind of boring and i want a little more excitement so i'm going to trade some stocks that's where they make a little more money i'm going to keep cash in my account that's where they make a lot of money uh they also make some money in these portfolios doing what is called hypothecation which is just a big word for letting other people borrow the stocks for a little bit so that they can short sell them and they make money on that so they're making money in a host of other ways but the zero fund they had to find a way to keep its costs as low as they possibly could so they don't exactly mimic one another although it's very interesting their performance figures 
are identical. Identical. And that's because, do you know how much 0.015% is on a $10,000 investment? It's 15 bucks. It's just not much. It's not worth worrying about. I If I had the FSKAX, the, the regular fund, I would keep it if it was mine. I would not go to the zero. Zero is kind of unproven. Uh, if you want to send questions, then go to TalkingRealMoney.com. There's a contact form there. Type them up. Send them along. We'll answer them during future podcasts. And finally, we're going to London, England. This, is, this would be my first question from, uh, from Great Britain. Uh, this one, uh, <laughs> I am not going to be as good at answering this question as I am answering U.S. questions, but I'm going to do my best. I'm asking a question relating, relating to what bond, what bond fund or funds I should use. The two funds I have identified for the bond portion, which would be 50%, of my portfolio are VG UK Short-Term Investment Bond Index, maybe 20, 75%, and VG UK Inflation Linked Gilt Index. Um. Thank you very much. I look forward to your comment. It's funny, Peter, that you should say 75% because my immediate inclination, and this is very similar to what we do with shorter-term investment-grade bonds and inflation-linked bonds, uh, inflation-protected, as we call them here. Uh, we usually go at about three-quarters in the regular bonds, and about 25% for an inflation hedge. And that's exactly what you were considering. So I think you're right on. Now, these funds, I believe, I looked them up, and it appears that they are both Vanguard funds. And the expense ratios, while not U.S. low, are pretty low. They're reasonable. I think they're like 0.15%, which for a bond fund these days in the U.S., is actually pretty expensive or for a Vanguard bond fund. But in the UK, I would assume that's that's probably at the low end of normal. I know, for example, in Canada, fees are so much higher than they are here. Um, so I would imagine yours are somewhat higher also. It's not the same level of competition. But yeah, I think you're on the right track. I think they're good funds. Uh, if there is an intermediate term fund you might be able to throw in there, I would consider that too. Maybe... Uh, splitting that 75% down the middle between the intermediate and the short term just to give you a little bit uh, slightly higher current return. But the short and the inflation are fine. They're both short-term vehicles. They're not going to be volatile. They're just not going to fluctuate very much at all because new bonds are always coming into the portfolios. And I think your 75-25 split is spot on. Thanks so much for the note. Thanks for listening. And thank you all for listening to the podcast and sending in your questions and keep them coming because we love, I love answering your questions more than I do pontificating. Oh, we're going to do some pontificating, particularly this weekend. I'm saving some of the good stuff for Tom and I, but uh, I'd rather be answering your questions. So send them in either through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form or call 855 
855-935-TALK in the U.S. If you're anywhere else in the world, just add our country code, which I think is plus one. So call. Uh, let's see. Was there anything else? I don't know. If, do 800 numbers work, though? I don't know if they do. Oh, well, we'll find out. Uh, the phone system's all working. It's working fine. Everything's good. So you can call that stuff in. And if you like what you hear, you would do us a great, great honor. And the folks that you refer us to, a great service if you tell other people about us. Because most of the money talk programs and the financial podcast, I got to do another podcast on podcasts. I I go through the uh, the money podcasts, the investing podcasts on iTunes. They are almost all horrible. <laughs> so maybe why do I? Why would I bother doing one? They're all pretty bad. There are a couple of decent ones, but most of them are terrible. They're telling you to invest in real estate. They're telling you to trade and time the market, or they're just telling you weird, goofy stuff like Robert Kiyosaki, which is kind of like just change the way you think. Um, which is just generally bad investing advice. Yeah, we should change the way you think and stop thinking of investing as speculating, but you don't have to get into this new age stuff to become a better investor. So yeah, tell a friend. And if you go to a podcast service like Apple Podcasts particularly, subscribe. What that does is Apple has some algorithm. And when you subscribe to the podcast, it says, oh, this is a good podcast, and we would like to be kicked up in the rankings a little bit more because apparently these other guys have a better a better, a better social media presence than we do. So <laughs> I do too. I, I stink at social media. If you're a social media person, you know what to do. Go out there and push us. All right, I'm done. Thanks for listening again to Talking Real Money. And we will be back really darn soon. Oh, by the way, the weekend show on Saturday, we'll be taking calls live between 3 and 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific time. We will be live this Saturday at 855-935-TALK. The next week will be preempted by football and who knows from there. 855-935-8255 works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week and brings you right here where we are talking real money. I'm Don McDonald. that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?